Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. My name is Nicole Johnson and today I am so stoked because I have a legend. <laughs> Sitting the bar pretty high. Sitting the bar pretty high. But you have a, I mean, it's for good reason. Today we have Cam Wright with us. He's an acute care nurse practitioner with almost 20 years of ICU experience, right? Yeah, I'm that old. That's how old I am. <laughs> old as fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to check in with Cam, see how he's doing. We're going to maybe talk about how he, his COVID, his sick you got turned into a COVID ICU. Like that was the total curveball. Yeah. We'll talk about a good save. And anyway, we'll just see what comes up. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm the last person to deserve to be on your, your uh, podcast, but thank you. Yeah, seriously. Come on. You're too kind. Dude, come on. You are, this is, you say Cam at where we work and everyone knows who you are. So. I'm infamous. Yes, you are. Um, So how have you been holding up with everything? Yeah, you know, um, I hate to be the guy that's always like, because I'm just going to throw this out there. You know me, I have terrible ADHD and I struggle with the details, but I can see the big picture. Like I get the 10,000 foot view. And I remember back in February, March, I was watching COVID numbers tick up um, around the world. And then we had our first one here that was documented. Um, And then my uh, son, one of the members on his basketball team that he grew up playing with, his mom died of it. And I was like, this is bad. This is, I could see it was like a slow train wreck that was coming for us. And then, um, with Trump's complete boneheaded and bungling, uh, actually lack of a plan, um, on how to, um, mitigate, not even mitigate, just like prevent lockdown. And then that just didn't work. So I was expecting badness. And so, um, when I was told that we were uh, no longer going to be in this, you know, the surgical ICU was no longer going to be active um, and that we were going to get basically drafted into uh, the COVID-19 ICU. Um, I, that didn't come as a shock to me. Yeah. Um, I think what came as a shock was like, I, we were just like told that's what was going to happen. And, st- and we, you know, obviously I want to do my part and I was, um, 
I wasn't going to ask for a different assignment or anything like that. I mean, these people are sick as fuck and they need help. And um, I would say that 99% of everybody who worked in that works in the surgical ICU, we stepped up and we said, yeah, of course, we're totally here of these people. Um, so then the transition was like, and I could see it happening already because I was working the week before and they hadn't said anything to it, but they were drilling like, uh, like exhaust holes and they're, they're putting HEPA filters in the rooms. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. And some of the nurses who remain nameless were like, what? What really? I'm like, look, do you see that right there? Do you see these rooms that are getting converted? Yeah, they're, they're turning these things into negative pressure rooms. So then when they told us, I was like, yeah, pretty much figured. Um, the thing that was hard for me was, you know, I, you know, I have five kids and a special needs son. He's got some medical issues. And so this sort of ritual that I would have to go through to get out of the hospital once we started taking care of these patients who were sick, sick as hell. Sick as hell. Um, yeah, and we could talk about that. Like, it was really, like, as soon as they got admitted to us, you know, their chance of survival was cut in half. And actually, you know, when we did, ran, they ran the numbers and they told us, I was actually really proud that, like, we saved, like, 45% of everybody that we admitted. At least 45%, which is far greater than the numbers that were coming out of China or out of, um, you know, out of New York City. Wow. But... I mean, you, we saved them, but then you and I know what that means. That means like weeks and weeks and weeks of pulmonary rehab and living in a skilled nursing facility. And you know what I mean? Like these yeah. people, PTSD, critical care, polymyopathy, like these people, you're not going to be the same. Like you are right. just, you're not going to be the same. Um, so anyway, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. The, okay. So we're taking care of these patients and like, just, it was so crazy. Like I was like, you know, we'd go into the rooms, we're proning people, people are just, they're so sick. We come out, we decon, you know, decon with the doffer. And then it's like, do I really feel safe eating here? You know what I mean? So I started like intermittent fasting because it just was such a pain to try to like, how many, you know what I mean? Like you're like, you wash your hands and then you gel and then I open my stuff and oh, I drop my fork. And I got to go back, get a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just easier not to eat. So I was staying hydrated and then I would go home. And, you know, I ride a motorcycle to work. So I would go into our office. I just, like, take off all my crap, gel my head, my neck. Because, you know, our PPE, you know, right, we got the N95, and then we have this big gap around our neck, and our ears are exposed, and, like, everything below our knees. Yeah. So um, I would go through this little decon ritual, and then I would have, a a, like, a – Clark's wife and I would like literally wipe my way out of the hospital. You never notice how many like doors and buttons and shit you have to touch. You know what I mean? Unless you're in a situation like that. So like, and then the last thing I would do is after I like got down to the motorcycle garage and I had this well-used Clorox, I'd wipe my hands, pitch it and then put my helmet on and and then drive home. And then when I got home, I would pull into the garage, just break away sweat, strip down to my skivvies. Yeah. We had some, um, I would not use my, you know, We'd have Clorox wipes out there, walk in, go immediately to the shower. You know, it was that. And yeah, actually that gets kind of exhausting, mentally exhausting because we did at that time, we didn't know, you know, like, could you carry three viruses home underneath your fingernail? And then I could just see me infecting my family. And then, you know, we already have children that we adopted. And then what if I make them orphans again? You know what I mean? That. Yeah. Right. So it was a lot. It was a lot. 
much. To yeah, it's not just it's not just taking care of people who are critically ill and most likely going to die, and the sheer amount of resources it takes to keep these people alive, and all the things that would come up, like hydroxychloroquine. Oh, that's not working. You know what I mean? Just like the remdesivir. Maybe there's a good benefit, you know, maybe there's a benefit, you know, um, yeah. but it just all fell back on just like old school ARDS, um, you know, hypoxemia care. And then, and then you're also dealing with the weight of this stuff is communicable and I could take this home to my family. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I ask how your family dealt with you in this position yeah well um yeah no no i'm gonna be honest with you and i want you to read between the lines yes i will i did not kiss my wife for four months oh my god because i didn't want to risk like how bad would i feel if you know we had some quality time and then i busted out a fever the next day you know what i mean like i i wouldn't be able to live with myself yeah because you need yeah you need a provider for your family yeah yeah. So, and that was hard. So we're doing, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So I come home and we've seen terrible things and I can't seek comfort in my wife because I can't risk getting her ill. And I already felt guilty that I was like sleeping next to her at night, but I had like in my back of my mind, you know, if I start getting chills or I like get a tickle in the back of my throat or anything like that, I'm just they had the plan. I was going to go down to the bottom floor, sequester myself for 14 days. Nobody's talking. Just throw some yeah. meat and some water down, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> throw some meat in Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Go fucking. Pre- I, I know that my family was, was proud of me for what I was doing. And, you know, we all, all of us nurses, all of us providers, all of us in the hospital, you know, we got a lot of accolades for that. Yeah that actually made me feel really uncomfortable because I'm just one of many and it's not like I signed up for that shit and it's not like I wanted to do it, but it needed to be done. And I have the skills to try to take care of these people. And so it it starts feeling like awkward when like I would come home and like somebody posted a sign, thank you healthcare workers, you know, in the front yard. And I appreciate that, but you know, we're the last line of defense. Yes, we are. We're the last line. And the people... Not the the fucking front line, dude. Yeah, no, I'm not the front line, right? The front line is every citizen in this country putting on a goddamn mask and doing what they need to do, right? That's the front line. Or the grocery store worker. Or the people who are doing long-haul trucking, bringing us food. But we're the last line. And then the, the, the part that started really, like, jabbing the knife into all of us, I'm just speaking for myself, and I'm assuming for you, too, is when we're putting our lives on the line to take care of these people. And there are grownups protesting that they have to wear a mask. I'm like, yes. you fuckers. Like, are you, what? Right. You are taking our sacrifice and the risks that we're taking. Um, and you're just like wiping your back your ass with it. You know what I mean? And then to say all this whole thing too, like I had to get off Facebook because it was a lot of like, well, it's just a bad flu. And no, it's not a bad flu. No, it's not. We've actually lost, in 10 years of combat in Vietnam, we lost 50, almost 54,000 people. Mm-hmm. And we've lost like three and a half times that in five months. Like, right. You know what I mean? It's not a flu. It's, yeah, it's not a flu. 
Who needs a lung transplant from a flu? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So the whole political, the whole, like all these jokers that have started going back to school and then they have to shut it all down because it's like, who's shocked by that? Like, you know what I mean? Like who's shocked by that? Or to say that like, and then you can get in the whole, cause I'm a Christian, right? I'm a Christian. I'm very liberal Christian. Just here to love my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? My neighbor is the gay couple that lives down the block from me. That's my neighbor. And I love them. You know what I mean? Like, to have these jokers say, well, you know, we're pro-life, but it's okay to let a few old people die to keep the economy going. I mean, you know, like, what are we talking about? And you can't, you can't be anti-mask and pro-life at the same time. Yeah, no, 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 you can't be. You cannot be. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult, yes, to, to, to watch everybody just this ridiculous argument because at the end of the day, none of that shit matters because we're still going to, we're still going to take care of you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, of course we will, but there's all this stuff about, we don't want to overburden the system. Luckily we're so lucky here. I know. Washington. Oh my gosh. Like that. Yeah. Have a governor who's been awesome and have people who are abiding. Yeah. Why are liberals the ones that believe in mask wearing? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I digress, but um, no, I hear you. Sorry. I didn't mean to take it to a political realm, but it's like, hey, it is political for whatever fucking killing me. reason. This has become political. This is a yeah. fucking virus that will kill you. Yeah. It doesn't care if you're Democrat or Republican or black or white or gay or straight or trans, whatever. It just wants to replicate and people who get sick. They're never the same. Right. I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, right. Right. You get really sick. You. You got some lung fibrosis now and hope they didn't have a stroke and pee, you know? Yeah. It's- yeah. You saw some really surprising things. I mean, in the beginning, obviously we didn't know what we were dealing with. You yeah. had policies and protocols just like every new, every day there was something new and yep. you just had to roll with the punches. Um, and you saw a lot of really unexpected things with these patients ca- cardiac wise. Yeah. And some of that is the virus. And some of that could have been medications that we're using. They were elongating on people's QTC intervals and yeah. And then just like you got a patient and you think you're out of the woods and you're doing okay. And then they have a stroke and you're just like, what just happened? You know? I think that um, our profession, we're kind of going to be fucked for a little bit. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I get it. We, I mean, I know we're showing up. We're going to, we're going to get through it, but I think there's a lot of. Oh, sure. PTSD. Yeah. People are, are going to still, still are processing. Yeah. Oh yeah. All of this. You um, can't watch that. You can't watch people die in mass like that. Um, from something that's communicable that you could totally get to, um, and not have it affect you. You can't hold that iPad in that room while the patient's dying and the family on the other end of the, you know, iPad is, is telling their loved ones goodbye and have that not, you know, I'm going to carry that with me forever, you know? And to me, the scars that I have incurred along this journey of being in the critical care are worth it to me, but that doesn't make it any less painful or, or, you know, burdensome. But what we do is really 
important. And if you're good at it and you can carry that weight, that's, I feel like that's why I'm here. Yeah. I think that's your gift. One of your many gifts. Oh, you're too kind. (laughs) You know, and we, I know we've, we've all had some really been a part of really, um, tough, tough, tough situation. Yeah. It's really unfortunate circumstances. Like how, how do you take care of yourself when you're, yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes I don't do very, a very good job of that myself. What are you talking about? You're freaking amazing. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah. we, you know, we used to talk about. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Just push that shit down. Just like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, push it down. Push it down. We'll ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Number with booze. No, but. Number with alcohol. Um, yeah, I, uh, I have terrible ADHD. You know that. I have terrible ADHD. And it's only recently that I actually started getting medicated for it because I just, I need, I just had carried this weight for 40 some years. And I just was like, I I want to try meds and it's been miraculous. But the things that I did in my life, um, as I learned to do as a teenager and a young adult, uh, to help manage my ADHD also have helped me manage some of the psychological pain and discomfort that we deal with as a, you know, as collateral damage from doing the work that we do. And so like, I exercise like a beast. Like I just, I have to, like, I just have to do that. And um, I fall back on my faith and I try to use humor um, to soften what we do, you know, and to, you got to laugh. And like you and I, like we've laughed at some terrible things and you can have gallows humor. And that is like a survival mechanism. And I've compartmentalized my life, right? Mm -hmm. This is my work life. Now, people outside of this, where you and I have this connection, you and I are bonded forever because we live and work and interact with each other in here. But my family doesn't understand. And my friends have no idea what I'm, what we're doing. And when you try to talk about it, like, if they don't try to just change the subject right away, they're just in disbelief at the stuff that we see and do. You know what I mean? Like, the, the crazy amount of suffering that we witness on a daily basis, you know, and then we're there trying to, you know, we're trying to, you know, assuage that with our, with our nursing and with our therapies. And then we're also bearing that with them because it's not natural to watch somebody get pummeled with critical care medicine for two months. You know what I mean? Like, as I'm talking, I'm remembering a patient. I'm sure you took care of him. This person that had endocarditis from IV drug use. Oh yeah. I know exactly really bad um, septic thrombi and like basically yeah. had to have a leg amputation. And they degloved his scrotum and they cut yes. his penis off. And yeah, the le- yeah, I'll never forget that guy. And then he fucking died. Yeah. Like, do we have to do all of the am- amputation and all of that knowing like a whole dysartic? Yeah, I, mean, I know. I don't know if this is the same guy. It might, it probably yeah, no, it is. No, I know exactly who it is. And I know exactly who you're talking about. Because he was my primary. I primaried that guy as a nurse practitioner, and I took care of him week after week after week after week. And finally, his bone marrow gave out, and he got leukopenic and just couldn't fight, fight the infections anymore. And, you know, after multiple meetings uh, with the family, you know, we transitioned to comfort measures only. But, yeah, I totally I remember that. So guilty. I felt so guilty that we... I mean, it's what his family wanted, I guess. And it was yeah. what he wanted. But and he wanted, and he was young, right? Remember that? He was, he was really young. young. 
He, he, he was really young. Yep. What we did this insanely painful sure. thing to him. Yeah. And yeah. for what? I know. I know. For a shot. We did it for a I, shot. Okay. All right. Well, everybody, I mean, so. Yeah, I know. But you and I, because we've seen this so many times, I'd have been like, yeah, I'll take the morphine drip and wide open and bring a priest in and I want my family here and I'm a whole people's hands and I'm, I'm out because you and I have seen that, but ever, nobody, you know what I mean? And he was young and we try to give these people the best shot we can give them. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Hey there, you fabulous nurse, you. Did you know that I have a self-care for healthcare business called Unwound Retreats where we do virtual mini retreats that offer meditation and yoga? If you go to unwoundretreats.com right now and sign up for my email list, I'll send you over a free PDF of seven ways to de-stress at work and refill your cup. Also, you'll get to hear about my upcoming offerings for nurses, including a Nurses Moroccan Retreat this June 2021. After the year we're having, we are definitely going to need this. Again, go to unwoundretreats.com and sign up today. I'm going to switch gears. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No problem. No, it's yeah. okay. Um, everybody who listens knows that this show is, it's light and it's dark and it's yeah. dark and that's just what it is. That's what nursing is. Yeah, um, it is. And that's our lives too, right? We just, that's true. we don't see that. That is true. I know. It's like when we're in the it's, light, yeah. forget that about the dark. Yeah, exactly. That's how we make it as, as humans, right? Yeah. You I. Know. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day and they said about this whole thing that we're in, this whole pandemic, this like, it's an opportunity for rebirth and our ancestors have gone through big challenges and they're rooting for us yeah. to, that we can also make, <laughs> we can, that we yeah. can overcome. So yeah, uh, it's in our DNA. Yeah. But um, what, is there a, a story that sticks with you where there was a patient who made it out that you're proud of or that you, that stuck with you? Yeah. You know, there are a, a number of those patients. Um, there's a number of them. It's funny how my brain always remembers the, the trauma and, and the people that didn't make it. Yeah. But um, I did have this guy and I actually knew him outside of work. Um, our, he went to a, like I'm a Greek Orthodox Christian, super liberal Greek Orthodox. Well, he went to a, a an Orthodox church. It was like a sister parish of ours. Anyway, he had um, uh, just changed muscular dystrophy, and he he got pneumonia. He got really, really, really sick, and um, I wasn't confident he was gonna he was gonna make it. And we he was. Uh, I it's tough for me to talk about this one because I don't want to reveal too much about him. But basically. The long story of the short was uh, he needed to be intubated uh, emergently. And I recognized that shit right away. And I'm like, this guy is suffering from a hypercarbic respiratory failure. He needs to be intubated right now. And the RT who was in the room at the time was like, are you sure? And I just counted up. I'm like, look, his, he's hypertensive. He's not respirating. He's flushed. His pupils are dilated. Like this guy's CO2 is probably like 100. And when we checked an ABG, it was like 110. And so, you know, I just, I was like, I hit the code thing, we activated, we got him tubed, saved him, tuned him up, and we got him out. And I ran into the guy like six months ago. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does feel good. Um, damn it, doesn't it feel good to have your 
nursing assessment, your assessment skills, and you're a, you're a nurse practitioner, but like to have your assessment skills, like be sharpened enough where you're like, Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. You know? No, this is it. Boom, boom, boom. And I learned that stuff as a bedside nurse in the ICU. I mean, yeah. Yeah. With this guy, I'll just say people for the layman out there, they're, they're anybody with muscular dystrophy is super at risk from a respiratory yeah. Because they don't have the same diaphragmatic strength. Yep. And so any, they're just. Any sort of insult. Yeah. It's like, boom, they can go down and, and, um, yeah, well, it's certainly, <laughs> and I should say there are a lot of people who go into the ICU and get out. <laughs> yes, that's true. I know. And, you know, and we have, not everybody dies, um, but obviously a lot of the things that stay with us are yep. sort of long tra- traumatic stuff yeah. that we see and deal with. But it's nice to know that, I mean, you had a positive impact on that yeah. life and they're here today. Yeah. It was nice. Say that yeah. just because of you. Oh, you're, well, I, I you definitely got intubated sooner rather than later. That's for sure. Yeah. And I want to go back on that, that piece that you just said about how most people, you know, make it out of the ICU. That is true. Our ICU, when I worked in the MICU, you know, we averaged, you know, 13 to 15% mortality rate. The thing about that for you and me is, is that I remember us, you know, we used to fill out those, you know, cards, those, you know, grieving cards, you know, it's like, you know, to the families, you know, after their loved one passed. And I remember I started counting those up and we were averaging like sending out 15, 18 a month, every month. Well, Nick, do the math on that shit. Like you and I are watching 15 to 20 people die every month, 12 months a year for 10 years. I mean, that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And how can that shit not affect us? Right. I, I've known people who've lost like a cousin and, you know, that is terrible. Or they witness somebody, one person getting, you know, dying and they're like, just like devastated. And like, I'm like, well, that, yeah. I, I saw that 15 times last month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So totally. you, we're going to, we're going to be affected by that. That's just, we're going to be affected by that. For, forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. Forever. And, and for every one great story I can name, I've got five terrible stories that I can't shake. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, you just go boop. Oh, yeah. Yep. They're like, oh, they're there. That's there. That's there. That's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the roughest when um, there are small children involved. and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. Getting to the NICU, my last code before I went to the SICU, this was in 2015. And um, I will not mention her name, but she's a 22-year-old woman and she had lupus and then she got pregnant and then she got like lupus slash pregnancy induced pneumonitis and her lungs turned into rocks. And so because she was so young um, and she had a brand new baby, um, we just, we were trying so hard to save her and we threw everything. We, you know, we had allergy involved and we were like just throwing the kitchen sink at her. And then finally, like she coded and we're in the room and we're coding her. And then, um, just that primal will. And we did everything we could. We ran that code. We ran the ACLS circle over and over and over and over again. And after 45 minutes, we're just like, 
You know what I mean? She's just PEA. We can't do anything. And so we called it and um, the family was devastated. And then we went to do a debrief like we do. And I couldn't find my fellow. I, I couldn't find her. I'm like, so I'm like looking for my fellow. And I see that she's halfway down the hallway between five East and five Southeast mm-hmm. in the fetal position, you know, crying so hard. And I, I was like, Oh my God. And so I ran down there and I pick her up off the floor and I'm just holding her. And she's just like, why, why sobbing? Why? And I was like, I know, I know it. I, I, I don't have any answers, but I'm here for you. You know, I, I got you. I'm here for you. And, um, that, that was, you know, that was my last code in the MICU. And, and it would happen towards like, towards that, that, that it was in the late afternoon. And so we all had to work a couple more hours. And then I went home and, you know, like part of me is still in that room. Right. And my family just has no idea. They just, and my wife has no idea. You know, I came home and I think she was like chirping at me for something. I was like, I, I need 10 minutes. Like I got to go upstairs and like get my shit together. And if you don't work in this business and you don't see that, like you just you have no frame of reference and you know, it's not my wife's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not my, you know, they just, they just don't know. And there's no way that I can actually accurately describe what you and I went through that day to them, but I got you. <laughs> yeah, I just, and that's why I'm always bonded to you and to everybody else that we work with, because yeah. we know what that is. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's, I, I don't know what it is, what it is, but it is, it is a bonding for life. Yeah. You know, you Forever. through crazy shit like this and yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I love my fellow nurses. I love. Yeah. Like oh, I, yeah. I love you guys. Mm-hmm. You and Dagnish. Like the list is endless. I can't even list them all. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is remember when you and I started and we we're all like new and stuff. And now you and I are the veterans, <laughs> veterans, right? And think about the turnover. Like I can't even keep track of how many people I've watched come and go. They just, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I stay, I'm going to segue into what I wanted to talk about. What oh. one of the things I wanted to talk about, which was, I think I stay because of the amazing teamwork that we all do um and i don't even work with you any like sad i don't work with you anymore. yeah but um that might change because i'm gonna i'm gonna um t- i want to start floating again because i was you know i was floating between the covid and yeah. the sick the what was left of the sick you and the micu during the you know yeah. the covid spike and i would like to go back to the micu and lock some days there because it's it's good internal medicine and it's, it's good for me. And then I get to work with you guys and it's good. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. No, what? So I obviously, I've always loved working with you. You're so funny and you're, and I also think that you are, you, our friend Des said that you, you're such a team player and you create this environment for like the most amazing teamwork. What, what do you, can you talk to me about teamwork? Oh, what what you think about it and what makes a good sure team. yeah okay so first off thank you for the compliment and secondly um you know i learned in the army actually and i knew i was i wasn't going to talk about the army because i don't really talk about that um you know teamwork is key 
And, you know, there's all this, you know, corny cliches, like there's no I in team. And, but what, what the army taught me was that you live, fight and die together. And if you're going to have a half a chance to make an impact and do what you need to do, you have to do it as a team. Like even when you're in a foxhole and you're setting up fields of fire, you're like this, you're covering your partner in the foxhole. That's your field of fire. And he's covering you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like the only way that it's going to work and we're going to be an effective team um, to be able to take care, like the only way we're going to be able to take care of these people in the situation that we're taking care of them is if we have a very cohesive team that at least can sort of bond with it, with each other. And the thing about like the job that we do is like the residents and the fellows are there for, for uh, you know, a month and then they leave and then I got to build a new team and then I got to build a new team and I got to build a new team. So, you know, if I can create some, um, you know, some team dynamics, um, you using humor and, you know, everybody gets an avatar, you know what I mean? I put, I put up an avatar for everybody. You know, I'm Deadpool, of course, because A, I look hideous and B, I'm a jackass. You um, don't look hideous. Yeah, true. I look like, yeah, I look like I no, yeah. Anyway, the, then not only does it make it fun and we're, we, you know, people are able to laugh a little easier and we can use humor. It also makes our team work better. And if the team's working better, then we can take better care of our patients because things get freaking crazy. Right. And you got to be able to, you know what I mean? You got to be able to have each other's backs and you have to have a reason to have each other's backs. So you got to be able to find something in that other teammate that you like, you know what I mean? That will make you go that extra mile for them. Totally. And you know, it allows you to ask stupid questions. Yeah. No stupid question, but it allows you to, you know, basically feel open enough to, ask those questions and, and the reason it matters is it matters for your patients. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's why. Yes. Yeah. So I use a lot of humor. I use a lot of fart jokes. We, you know, (laughs) you know, just trying to keep it light when it's time to be serious though. You know, we have to be serious. Yeah. Right. But it can get really fucking, it can get really fucking serious really quickly. (laughs) One breath. Yeah. Zero to a hundred real quick. But, um, when it's not those moments, then you got to be able to decompress and laugh and you got to be able to, you know, work well with your teammate. Yeah. That's, that's basically what my philosophy. Well, I know that you have a prolific impact. Oh, you're too kind. On everybody. And also on, on, on the teamwork that happens where we work. And so, yep. um, well, it's good to know. Just, you know, and I know that does who is going to listen to this is going to think the same thing. You're hilarious. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes. Just one quick funny story. Fuck, I, well, just, I love stories. All right. So um, this is years ago. I was a charge nurse at night. You probably heard this story. And I was making my rounds. You know, it was the first part of the shift. And I was checking on everybody. You know, the nurses, hey, how are you doing? Um, do you need anything? Are you going to on your studies? You know, you have to take a bit, whatever. So anyway, I'm over in room, uh, it was room 515 uh-huh. on 5 East. And um, one of the nurses that we used to work with us, Andrea, she was in there and I look over and her, um, I'm like, is everything going good? You know, right. She's like, Oh yeah, everything's fine. Uh, I got, are you traveling at all? She's like, no, no, uh, no, no big plans. And so I look, look over at our, um, her patient and her patient is just like conked out in the bed. You know, she's got Muppet mouth. She's like, so I thought she's asleep. So I go, Oh, one more thing, Andrea. And she goes, what? And I go, you know, I just busted ass. 
I farted really, really loudly. And then I just walked on. And she told me that her patient was really awake. And she looked at Andrea and said, thanks for that. And Andrea goes, that wasn't, that wasn't me. I need to, no, that was, that was a church nurse. And the gal goes, yeah, right. It was classic. It was classic. Oh or do you remember God. we used to mess with each other at night? Like, like I would sneak in to my partner's, you know, whoever was the nurse that was working next to me. Yeah. And the patient is like intubated, sedated, paralyzed, mechanically ventilated, probably freaking prone. And nobody's in there because she's like, like went in the bedroom or whatever. And so I'd sneak in and I'd hit the call bell and then run back out. And then the nurse would go in and be like, looking around like, what? <laughs> what? How did they read the like- call bell? Or we used to like, you know, like screw each other with those stupid 10 cc sailing syringes or like totally like um, Capilactus, Mercat. She'd like go to lunch and come back and I would have emptied out all of her trash onto the middle of the floor and, you know, not told her. <laughs> She'd be like, God damn it, Cameron. I love the call bell thing because that's where people are like, this place is haunted. Yeah, exactly. Or do you remember the stenos we used to use? Yes. Goo, 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 goo. I need 16 nurses for a ginormous brown explosion cleanup and maybe some therapy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah. It was like a boo-boo. Can I get help in room 503? And then you get boo-boo. Hey, I was first. <laughs> I asked first. I asked first. Wench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need three patients for a body bag and toe tag and like just... Yeah. I remember all of that. That was so Yeah, it's fun. So fun. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so bad. But you have to have it. You have yeah. to have some fun. Yeah. In I think it was her episode. Uh what was it? That I don't know. I mean, we have to we have to balance this. Oh yeah. You know, we have to balance it. Yeah, and you know, that's why we would go out in the morning and have breakfast and beers and just laugh and we'd get thrown out of I remember we got we all got thrown out of the Blue Star Cafe because we were too boisterous. And they, you know, we were just like blown up. You know, you can't have three people code in one night and then just like, I'm going to go home and organize my sock drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my pocket protector, uh, her name is Lucy and I like to date her. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't do that. Like, <laughs> what, yeah. What did they, you called them? Or did you come up with the name Live Arounds? Yeah, Live Arounds, man. You got to gotta keep those hep- hepatocytes trained. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, the liver rounds. Yes. Yeah. Got to do it. That's key. I, I remember I went out for breakfast one morning after night shift with Katie Raymond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that girl was crazy. She got us kicked out of the Blue Star. Oh, really? Was it her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, she's pretty like, ah, and then she was yeah. like so loud. And then she was talking about like this patient like that hadn't pooped in a month. And then like she gave her all she gave him all that the business. And then you just like shot like it was like a salad shooter of stool just across the floor and i was charged that night so i had to help her out clean them up and stuff well, like she's just talking at this volume like this this loud and then i could i swore some pieces of zucchini would fly out and like practically hit me in the mouth and so then like we're in this like on this big table and then like all the people around us are listening in and one of them complained and so they were like listen you guys can never come back here <laughs> and we're like funny yeah dude you know she's like hype hiking the appalachian trail right now do it love it yeah yeah um oh my god i've had i could talk to you for another like three hours yeah dude this is like 
you should charge you should charge people like me to talk on your on your uh, podcast because I'm feeling really chill right now. Like this is like total therapy. Yes. Well, mm, that's one option. How long yeah. have we been going? I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, like forty five minutes. Yeah. Well, um, Cam, it's such a joy and such a pleasure. Oh, pleasure was all mine. Thank you. So funny. Oh, please. And I've obviously loved working with you all this time. Um, do you have any, I think we're going to wrap this up, but do you have any closing thoughts for the, the episode today? Any last? Yeah. You can see me in the camera, so I want you to look at me. Okay. Ready? Yes. You are an amazing person, and you are a fantastic nurse. And it has been an incredible honor to get to practice critical care nursing with you. And whatever you end up doing in the future, I know that you're going to be amazing at it and you're going to make a massive impact doing it. So I wanted to tell you that on your own podcast, you're, you're a wonderful person, selfless and caring. And Nicole, you're a hero. <laughs> you're a hero. And I, I want your family to know that you are a hero. Well, okay. I'm going to leave bawling. So, um, <laughs> you're a hero. And if I could hug you, God damn it, I would. <laughs> you know it. I'll see you at work. I'll see you at work. And I'll give you an elbow. Oh, I'm going to give you, um, your hat. So you got it. Thank you so much, Cam. Thank you. So much love. I got nothing but love for you. Love and respect. Same. And, uh, I'll see you. I'll see you around. You got it. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.